Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 90. Ah, you gotta love those nice sounding numbers. And if you want to listen to this one, as well as all of our other episodes, 89 and a few special ones, feel free to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to rate us and give us a review. All of those nice things that we enjoy so much. So business is out of the way. Let me bring in Sam Lepresti. Hello, Sam. Hey, Danny. It's uh, that kind of bipolar New York March. It was 70 degrees middle of last week, and now it's snowed the last two days. And I want to know which one of you has scared spring away. Fess up and you will not be punished too severely. It was Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Uh, it, it was not me. It might have been uh, the Batman, which I've just uh, come back from watching, actually. So No spoilers, uh, please. No spoilers. Yeah, three hours of sitting down, but uh, well worth yes. it. It was an excellent, Goodness, yeah. excellent movie. Um, just uh, make sure you pee before, uh, before getting in. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the quality advice, Chuck. I wish, man. I just I haven't been comfortable with going to a movie theater for a really long time, especially with the baby until they get, until they approve the baby vaccines. I don't think I'll be going into a movie theater anytime soon. Well, my, uh, my fiance works part-time at the library and, uh, well, you can get a lot, a lot of fantastic movies from the library. You just have to wait a little bit, you know, so it's like in DVD format, but they, um, at least here in Ohio, they've got a great catalog of movies. So, um, so everybody listening, Please support your local library. Even more life advice from Chuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start out, man. And we're on what the one minute mark, and I've already uh, come out firing, <laughs> almost uh, almost as uh, effective as Juve has been. So, uh, here's your transition. Look at you! Look at you with the transition. So, oh, with easy. your flick transition, Chucks, what was your takeaway from the week? Oh man, I uh, always always struggle to pick one but <laughs> you can't go um, Arthur this week Chucks no no it's it's tempting to say <laughs> so but um yeah well um I guess my takeaway is just um it's a pretty obvious one but just the fact that really at this especially at this point in the season I mean really who cares about style points at, at this point it's just getting the results and I mean we have what nine games remaining I believe so uh, let me just confirm yes. yeah I think it was nine games yeah nine games uh remaining till the end of the league season anyway. So, I mean, there are no style points at this point. It is really all about grinding out the points and just getting getting the results that we need, um, which, hell, I mean, really, it's been like that the entire season. But, um, yeah, I'm feeling, uh, yeah, pretty confident about top four anyway, and just based on the results uh, of this weekend, uh, this match day, I should say. So, you know, no style points. Let's grind it out, and let's, at the very least get top four which uh yeah i'm pretty uh pretty confident about what you got sam i got the words that were immortalized by one schoolhouse rock which is elbow room elbow room um <laughs> after after sunday's results with with atalanta and roma both drawing that uh, puts us eight points up on roma in fifth atalanta has that game in hand but now it's it's basically you've got a two-game cushion over the chasing pack, even if Atalanta wins that game in hand. So it is nice to be operating free of that of that as a constant strain. You don't want to let your guard down, obviously, but to have a, a little bit of a margin for error, especially considering the fact that Juve still have to play Inter and Lazio and Fiorentina back-to-back at the end of the season aren't going to be picnics having that space is big and, you know, beating the teams that we're supposed to be beating, which has been a problem for the last two years. Like Chuck said, it's not, it hasn't been pretty, but it's been done. And, you know, finally, you know, as opposed to dropping points to Benevento twice last year, you're coming into what is really, you know, a very soft part of the schedule and Juve are getting these results and getting these results is what is going to make the difference later. Always when you're up at the top, a team that messes around with the Provinciale the least is the one that usually comes out on top. So it's going to be, a you know, it to, to get these points and to have the room that they have now, they can play a little freer, a little bit less pressure, and, and they can just go about their business. Definitely. And 
I failed to mention that we are without Sergio, unfortunately, again this week. And I will play the role of Sergio, and my takeaway will be Daniele Rugani. I always believed in you. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. <laughs> he has, and I feel mildly vindicated myself because I've always been pushing that. You know, had he not been buried on the depth chart by the human mental error that is Medi Benatia, we might have been seeing this from him a lot sooner. But um, he played a heck of a game yesterday, and he seems to have some pretty good chemistry with Matthias Delict. Yes. Like the two of them as a unit really work well together back there. So, yeah, I'm so glad to see him play like this. And uh, and he'll, he'll likely end up having a chance to do it on Wednesday as well. And he's come up big in some Champions League games when we when not expected. You know, there was remember there was an away game against Sevilla. Uh, years and years ago in the group stage where he ended up having to play with Panucci and he played really, really well. The first leg against Ajax two years ago, everyone, you know, he got forced in there and everyone goes, we're doomed. And he actually ended up being one of the best players on the pitch that day. So against Matthias Delict. Yeah. Against Matthias Delict. Exactly. Um, you know, I'm hoping that this, this, this run continues for him because I'm really happy for him. It's, a, it's, it's about darn time. And Juventus has needed him as well. Cause very much so. As we know, the injury crisis has not really let up all that much. I mean, sure, Matteo Giglio and Alexandro are just back, but when you look at it, the main cogs that Juventus really, you know, kind of the potential game-changing players you look at with Dybala and Bonucci and, um, you know, you could throw Chiellini in there as well because he still plays well when he does play, but, you know, it's it's not letting up, and so... I guess that's what has obviously made the the unbeaten run that Juventus is currently still on very much impressive. And just the fact that they are gaining ground on the Atalanta and Romas of the world and closing the gap between Inter and Sam mentioned the fact that there's room between Juventus and Atalanta now. Well, there's also all of three points between Juventus and Inter in third place. So as we were talking before we hit record, if things go a certain way next weekend, and if you're listening, Viola Nation friends, please give us a, a little help out here. If things go a certain way with Inter and Fiorentina next weekend, which will be part of just an absolutely crazy Saturday in terms of, I believe all three teams that are ahead of Juventus play on Saturday. There could be you know, a situation where Juventus is tied for third on 59 points with Inter, which is just crazy to think about. but. You look at it, and again, Juventus gets the job done against Sampdoria this past weekend. We're recording here on Sunday. And it's just another one of those things where it's nothing pretty. Sure, were there, there are some good moments, but overall, it wasn't anything special. But they got the win. And as Chuck said, this time of year, that's the most important thing. Yeah, it's a pretty bizarre situation. I truly never expected us to be... <laughs> I mean, somewhat even like within respectable distance of, you know, the top three in this case, that's extremely surprising to me. Like I said, my goal for, yeah, really for the entire season, I'd say was always just, okay, let's get top four because I just didn't expect any more than that. Obviously, I mean, I want the title, but realistically, I just expected, okay, we'll get top four, which again, I mean, it's looking pretty good now. It's above all, it's in our hands. We're not depending on results elsewhere. Uh, to get top four you know if we just from now on in if we if we match or better Atalanta's results you know we got top four and we got Champions League next year so that's that's good to at least have that in our own you know destiny in our own hands but yeah I mean to be to be somewhat close to you know Napoli Inter Milan and Inter having you know some tricky games coming up obviously against Juve um, at the start of April although I will say I believe that I'm just looking at the schedule now I think Napoli really have the toughest run in of all the teams at the top four anyway, with uh, Atalanta away, Fiorentina at home, Roma at home, Empoli away, you know, is a tricky one as well. Sassuolo at home, Torino away as well. So, I mean, you know, they've really got some tough games coming up too. So, I mean, you know, for sure, I think the title is going to come down to the final match day. I think that's, I, I feel like that's going to happen. Uh, top four race could be decided before that, but um, yeah, the title race is definitely going to come down till the end of, or till the final match day. Um, but, you know, I think, yeah, more than that, it's just encouraging for Juve to at least end the season on, 
you know, if we keep this unbeaten streak going on, um, to really going to next season saying, okay, we've ended the season on such a strong foot. And then we're starting the season with fit Chiesa. Hopefully. Hopefully, knock on wood. Um, but, you know, a returning Chiesa and a, I'm pretty sure he'll be fit by then, uh, Weston McKenney, who, you know, was also excellent before his injury, his uh, foot injury. And of course, the question mark about Dybala, you know, nobody knows. But I think it's just, yeah, momentum is such an important thing in football. And to have this type of momentum with Juve is something we haven't had in such a long time. You know, it's been, especially with Pirlo, is so on and off and on and off. And, you know, to have this kind of momentum and, of course, consistency, but just, you know, momentum of results anyway. In terms of performances, has been very, you know, yeah, I mean, I'll admit it's been... Very tipsy turvy. I mean, we have the VIA. They haven't been playing very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try, try to be diplomatic. <laughs> you know? Even on Saturday, it wasn't the greatest. I mean, we got outshot 16 to 6. We gave up nine corners to and earned none on our own. I said in my recap, it was a weird ass game. Like we went into the half up 2 0 and we'd only taken one shot on target. That was just a weird, weird game. But what Juve did was they forced Sampdoria into more mistakes and they were more ruthless in exploiting those mistakes than Sampdoria were. Uh, thanks in large part to one of the absolute best penalty saves I think I've ever seen. Props to, to Wojciech Szczesny because, damn, that was good. Like, you don't usually see a, a keeper get a hand up to, to get that ball out of the way when it's starting to rise up above him. And Danny, I'm sure that you as the other goalkeeping connoisseur of the of the group just was was really pumped up about that because that was such a good save. Yeah, I mean, he's proven this year that he is one hell of a penalty kick stopper. It's at 75% now, right? Yeah. I think it's 75% this season. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's saved three PKs and you look at all of them and they've been at huge moments of a game. And especially the one against Samp, you look at it, that that game was ready to just turn into absolute stupidity. And we saw the deflected goal a little while later. But, I mean, Chesney making that save at that point really seemed to take a little bit of the wind out of Sampdoria's sails. And oh yeah, just the quality of the save, like you said, Sam, it was one of the best penalty saves non-Buffon division that I've I've seen from a Juventus keeper. And even Buffon, I mean, he's, you know, we, we always looked at his game, kind of penalties was the one, if you want to say a weakness, it was a weakness of his. And I mean, he's had some memorable saves, but yeah, just the arm full extension from Chesney up in the air, that uh, that's going to be uh, a lasting image of this season. And I'm sure going forward, just because it was just a, a top, top quality penalty save. And then you look at the guy that everyone was clamoring to replace him with and what he did this past week. Oh, you, you couldn't wait to mention that. Oh, no, I really couldn't. <laughs> because it, it is proof positive of what I've been saying all along about Gigi Donnarumma, which is that he just has never actually improved from the 16-year-old that Sinisa Mihailovic. He has bricks for feet. He is piedi di sassi sempre. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, Apart from that, I think that the, the two main takeaways were it's really good to see Alvaro Morata playing the way he's playing right now, just to be able to, instead of trying to hold the ball up the way he had to at the beginning of the year when he was trying to lead the line, to be able to play downhill the way that he has been ever since Dusan Vlavic has, has arrived. And I think this might also be one of the reasons why he seems to underperform with Spain is that when he's in the Spanish national team, he has to be the center forward. He has to be the guy, you know, in the middle of the front line. And then, you know, he doesn't get to do what he does best, which is really to kind of go downhill and play. Whereas for, you know, now with Vlaovic really, you know, occupying that center spot and, and yesterday it was Kane who also had a really good game as a center forward. He had a couple of really good holdup moments, held possession really well, which is, has always been a weakness in his game. So that was a nice improvement from Kane as well. To see Morata just playing with such freedom and and such pace, and to see Manuel Locatelli playing in a in a more advanced spot in the midfield and really playing the dangerous passes that the team has been missing in that part of the field ever since Paulo Dybala got hurt, 
that's a huge deal. And he's still not a hundred percent in that spot. You know, his, you know, he'll make some bad passes. His past completions haven't been hugely high lately, but he has made the incisive ones, you know, the ball over the top to Kane that, that got the penalty, the, the assist to, to Morata. He's making the big passes. He's making the important passes and it is really helping the attack turn into something that is a little bit more dangerous. So I, I, I think that there are, there are certainly signs that you really could be looking at something at something big, but you, you know, you still do have to temper that a little bit with the fact that it, it hasn't come all together yet, you know, for various reasons. One of them is French and shaped like Adrian Rabio. The other, uh, and also just, you know, more time to, to mesh in together, but there were definitely a lot of positives, but it was still not the, the greatest of performances yesterday against Sam, but that's, as you said, Chucks, it doesn't have to be the greatest of performances. If you have more goals than the other guy by the end of the game and they're, they're finding ways to win the, the, the own goal gods have been smiling on them and they're you know, and here we are now in a place where I remember when we lost to Atalanta uh, in the first half of the season, I remember coming on this podcast and saying, we're not in the Champions League next year. I remember say, I remember giving up on that. I remember saying we were done. Uh, and I am very glad to be able to say that I might get proven wrong about that. Uh, you know, knock on wood, don't want to tempt the wrath of the whatever from high atop the thing. But there is an upward trend in results. And that is at the end of the day, the most important thing. It's funny because it is an extremely thin line. Like I keep going back and forth about this, you know, with, um, with just the way Juve plays, like, okay, clearly our style, style of play or Allegri style of play is, you know, sit back, soak up the pressure and then hit them with like, hopefully, you know, a goal or two here and there and just, you know, let them have the possession, let them have the shots, let them have the corners, you know, we're, efficient enough in attack which is actually funny because that's that was one complaint that we did have uh you know a month or two ago of just our uh success in front of goal and i mean you know we're doing pretty all right now in terms of goals so that's that is encouraging um again just that improvement that that momentum and that upward trajectory but you know just having that style of play so you know yeah there where we soak up the pressure and in a game like some against Sampdoria, okay, it worked. We had three goals and just, you know, ruthlessly efficient. Um, we got outshot and, I mean, borderline, I think, less possession probably it was, almost. It was pretty much even. It was a little bit, yeah. Yeah. A little bit one way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we've seen the other side of this type of performance, which is, well, I would argue probably against uh, uh, Villarreal, which is obviously coming up and, you know, we'll talk about that. Uh, where, you know, we did the same thing and really almost got burned by it. Could have very well lost that that first leg, which, you know, okay, it ended up 1-1, but yeah, you know, that we're playing with fire in that game. So, you know, we see both sides of essentially the same strategy. And in the case like Santoya, we say, okay, great, you know, worked out well, we're efficient and, you know, let them have the ball. And, you know, and then I say the same thing. Okay, style points, I'm not too bothered by it. But I also recognize the risk of it and how easily it can just go wrong. Um, you know, like I said, we see this within like a two or three uh, week time span where it's like we play this style of play and then, oh, it ends up as a 1-1 draw or we, you know, even while well, we haven't lost in a while. But, you know, it ends up in a, just a frustrating draw against uh, Dolina or well, who happens to be better than we thought. But um, a draw against the likes of Dolina or really again we sort of tied as well against Fiorentina except the last last minute uh, on goal there so I, I mean I think I'm just torn about it like you know on a day like this I can be like okay great you know it's efficient it's who cares about style points we won the game we didn't have possession and or shots and all that but on another day against Villarreal then we're all like oh come on Max why do you play so negative why do you you know risk like why are you increasing the risk so much of getting a goal and then sitting back and then inviting so much pressure that inevitably we concede a goal? And it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I go back and forth about it. It's, it's, yeah, I'm torn about it. And 
on a day like this, I'm happy, of course, about <laughs> it. But, um, but you know, I recognize how easily it can, the coin can flip the other way. Well, that's that's the thing. You know, we've been saying it both this season. We said it last season, especially under Andrea Pirlo. There's just that that kind of balancing act between truly playing with fire and actually playing somewhat decently with a one nothing or one goal lead. And that honestly, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there yesterday watching the game and it's like, okay, I'm feeling actually confident, even though Juventus was statistically getting pretty outplayed in terms of the shots created and, and all that. But you look at it and it's not like Sampdoria was doing a whole hell of a lot of anything when they had the ball. And, you know, like I said, you know, the, the one goal ended up being a deflection. Okay. Yeah. She hasn't had to save a penalty, but outside of that, it's like, I don't really remember a whole, maybe one or two other chances where Sampdoria came close. And it's like, yeah, okay. That's, I don't know. It kind of feels like that's just like a normal, normal game in terms of, you know, four or five chances for the opposing team, whatever. Like, I mean, you're not going to have a penalty to stop every game. You're not, going to have a stupid deflection like the one off of Morata's back every game but you know you you get a you get a stupid penalty call because Adrian Rabio does stupid things and then you get a, a fluke goal it's like yeah okay that's I don't know it it just it it wasn't as I guess what I'm trying to say is it wasn't as stressful as a day as previous Juventus games were especially over the last few weeks where it's like okay you really got to grit your teeth through it and this was refreshing a little bit of an improvement. I don't know, but it wasn't kind of the, the stress-inducing game that the last few months have, have seen from this team. And I, I don't know. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess the fear is also is, do we have a plan B? Like, that's the thing. No. It's like, are we? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the fear. You know, it's like, okay, when... I mean, look, every team, you should have a plan B tactically, of course, but... I think it's more acceptable maybe not to have a plan B if if your plan A is like less risky, I guess. Like I, I just again, I mean I'm happy about just the result and like I'm generally okay with not having like, you know, champagne football and all that. And you know, I'm not too bothered by that in general. But like I said, if your plan A is so risky of like, okay, you soak up all that pressure and then you invite like, you know, again, like we saw in that first uh, VRL game of scoring in 32 seconds and then sitting back the entire game and not having any change in strategy or change in, in approach to the game whatsoever. And that that's just what I fear, you know, it's like, okay, when the strategy goes wrong, which, you know, sometimes does, are we able to do something else or kick into some kind of second gear or some kind of, you know, okay, let's, you know, go gung ho kind of like, you know, we always bring up that game of that second leg in the Atletico game of you know years ago where we had that comeback because of because of bernardeski's performance right bernardeski and there's a huge part of it i'll tell you that right now (laughs) yeah no continue jack sorry yeah yeah no so um yeah and i think that was a great example of like okay alegi had that plan a but when it was you know backs to the wall he had that plan b that we came up with and where we were you know really just fire out of the gate and just had that clearly different approach from the first leg to the second leg. And I think that that's what I kind of want to see slash hope that we're able, that we're capable of doing And Right now I'm not like really sure. So I'm like, okay, plan A is working sort of right now. And then, like I said, we're pretty well on course to get that top four spot and a very, very, very unlikely title push. <laughs> but yeah. it's going into next season. I'm like, okay, you know, can we get that? I'm interested in, because it's interesting. You just, you keep on bringing up the, the Villarreal game. Cause I remember three weeks ago, I said, you know, with the, with the away goals ruled out with a one, one draw in the first leg, it could mean good things for Juventus from a tactical standpoint, because it means they have to win. And this is, you know, where, you know, you were talking about, you know, what's plan a, what's, what might be plan B that Atletico game. The, that second leg against Atlético, that was plan Roman numeral, you know, C8, you know, CX, I, I, I. Like that plan came out of absolute. I, I, I just pulled those out of my. <laughs> I was trying to calculate of, it actually in my head. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a uh, hundred and 
Thir- 13 is what I just said. Uh, That's all right. Let's go with it. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with it. Like that was that was something that Max just simply pulled out of thin air and, you know, using Emre Sean as like a hybrid center back, three man back line and pushing all over the place. It was a it was a weird and that is one of the things that Max for all of his faults, one of the things about Max Allegri is when he has to, he can come up with something wacky and nuts and no one will see it coming and it will blow you away and it will blow any opponent away. And I think, I think the game coming up on Wednesday is a really good opportunity to see whether he still is that max or whether he's really just got one move at this point. You know, if, if, if he is at this point, the coaching version of Milos Krasic, where it was just like, get the ball to the byline cross Milos, Milos, Milos. But is he going to come up with something goofy? And if he does, then that's going to be, you know, then, then I think Juventus will end up in the quarterfinal. Well, we can use that as a transition into full-on Champions League talk. I guess the first question I have here on my notepad is, knowing everything that's gone on the last few weeks in between the first leg and now, as we're just a few days from the second leg, how confident are we that Juventus will advance? I mean, you know, there's no away goal rule anymore, so the one year where Juventus actually gets an away goal, it doesn't necessarily help, although they had one last year as well, so... That turned out great. But now that Juventus is getting at least a little bit healthier, maybe Paulo Dybala might be available off the bench. Maybe a few other guys might be available off the bench. Are we feeling better than going into the first leg? Are we feeling just about the same? Are we hoping that Dusan Vlaovic maybe scores a little bit later in the game so Max Allegri doesn't hunker down for 90 minutes? Or is it just... VRL are also getting results too. So it's not like they have suddenly gone in the tank since the first time we saw them a few weeks back. They certainly haven't. We're still looking at a team. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, there's no sign that Gerard Moreno is back. Correct? I believe not that's correct. I've not heard anything. No. And they just lost Alberto Moreno, one of their left backs for the year. He started and played most of the game in the first leg, which could be interesting depends a lot on who on who emery decides to put on that side if he puts in estupinian the the guy who broke mckinney uh and is the more defensive of those two or if he puts on uh or if he decides to go for broke and uh and play alfonso pedraza who's more of a converted winger and who's uh very much more of an offensive option at that left back spot and what juan cuadrado might be able to do going into that space and kind of what you were saying a little bit before Danny is that you know BRL didn't have a whole ton of really huge chances in that first leg even though we had hunkered down and and defended for 89 minutes and 30 seconds you know that the goal basically came on a on a mistake by some French guy who shaped like Adrian Rabio and uh our old friend Adrian Rabio and uh you know, it was one of those games, kind of like the Fiorentina game as well, where as upsetting as it was to the, the final result, you know, Villarreal had very few heart palpitating chances. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they just don't have that focal point in Moreno right now. And remember, that was against a makeshift defense as well. Now you've got Rogani back, who's coming in really well, who's coming in and playing really well. Um, Delict is has been on fire for months now, and I think the question becomes whether Juve again managed to kind of smother that front line the way they kind of did in the first leg and avoid the mistakes that allowed the equalizer and punch the goal up at the other end. Um, also, remember we weren't seeing the kind of midfield deployment with with Locatelli and Artur that we are now in the first leg that, that, that development has really kind of come to its biggest fruition in the last two or three games. And I, I think that could be a huge difference maker as well. You know, you, you get 
Dusan Vlahovic off the back shoulder of somebody like Raul Abiol and get a pass to him the way that Locatelli was was throwing a couple of passes around, like to the one to Kane yesterday. And he's out running Albiol. There's just no, there are no two, there are no doubts about it. I don't want to say that I'm too gung ho about this because there are too many variables still, but I am feeling better about this than I probably thought I was going to in the immediate aftermath of the first leg. All right, Mr. Optimism, what do we got? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you, you asked, I mean, how I'm feeling about, yeah, going into this game. Uh, probably the same as, as going into the first leg, cop I would out. say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sort of a cop out, but um, <laughs> or rehashing, recycling, maybe, which, uh, yeah, reduce, not recycle or something. Anyway, <laughs> recycle, reduce, reuse. Y- yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I forgot my R's. But yeah, I mean, equally, equally confident or just equal feeling as the first leg, which is, yeah, not, not pessimistic not i don't feel like oh we're gonna lose but not i mean gung-ho confident that we're gonna win i'm just yeah really as the tie is 1-1 i'm feeling just as balanced about our chances just yeah very kind of 50 50 really um with with a slant towards optimism i know that's a rarity but um i think we're gonna just playing at home i'm feeling again not scared of us losing but i think there's i mean there's absolutely a chance it's i mean vrl are still a good team i think you know they still have a good uh solid core of players and you know they in pretty decent form recently so i mean i think there's definitely a chance they can spring a surprise but i think odds are in our favor I, i'll put us actually i said 50 50 i'll say 60 40 yeah very uh, cautiously give us a 60 40 uh chance of progressing and, you know, the whole thing with the first leg was just more, I think the result, I mean, all in all, was fine. I mean, 1-1. One, one. But it was, it was, again, just a matter of the result. And and just as, just that the game got progressively, like, you know, worse and more, like our performance got progressively, like, all right, we're inviting them more and more and more <laughs> to um, to strike back. But definitely, uh, Sam, as you mentioned, like the lack of a focal point of uh, uh, that uh, VRL currently have. Um, I mean, yeah, especially, you know, in the first game, they played uh, Lo Celso as uh, center forward sort of or left forward-ish um, player. So, you know, they don't Yeah, that was a really... weird hybrid that that he was that he was trying to play in there. Yeah, which, I mean, I, I, honestly, I thought he played quite well, uh, Lo Celso. I thought he caused us some problems just with his, yeah, again, with this kind of vagueness of where he was really playing that, um, yeah, was surprising. So, you know, um, yeah, I'll give us a, about a 60-40 chance of progressing. Um, I think in terms of individual form uh, of the Juve players, I think, you know, Morata's in good shape. Vlaovic has had a bit of a rest as well. And, you know, has been playing well as well. Uh, Rugani, of course, the Licht have all have been just in excellent form as well. So just, you know, I can't, Artur, of course, I've been, you know, banging that drum <laughs> recently as well. So, yeah, just individually, you know, I can't think of a player who's like in bad form. I think. Definitely a lot of players are just coming in this this with confidence and just, you know, I mean, played well and just not again. Yeah, I mean, the Rabio thing, I'm probably the only one that <laughs> kind of defends it. I feel kind of feel like the same way with Artur as with Rabio. Like when everybody was criticizing Artur, I mean, I criticized him as well. I thought he was playing well, but I wasn't as, uh, you know, merciless as, uh, <laughs> as some people have been <laughs> about Rabio. So I think, look, I mean, I, I don't think Rabio is a world beater, but, uh, you know, he's not. Uh, as uh, Jamie Carragher would say, he's not world class, um, but he's he's. Uh, oh boy, we're getting we're getting all the impressions today, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, no, God, Jamie. Car- I don't know. I was listening to. Uh, he was a commentator on a, on a PSG Real Madrid game. I was like, oh my God, let me just be <laughs> diplomatic. I just switched to the Spanish uh, channel. Let's just say, let's just say it like that, um, because uh, I don't know. He's uh, forget about the World Cup, forget about the Euros. <laughs> This competition is the best in the world. And I was like, yeah, well, thanks about that. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Jamie. That was a hot take right there. But uh, great uh, accent, though, um, <laughs> which I probably butchered. But yeah, Rabio, that was what I was saying. <laughs> Rabio, uh, yeah, I mean, look, he's a useful player just tactically. I think he allows there to be some balance on on the midfield where, you know, for instance, Cuadrado's 
yeah, well, now it's Quadrado. Playing on the right, he can push forward more and just be a little bit more offensive, and Rabio can provide that cover, that defensive cover by staying a little bit deeper. And he's just a very versatile player. Is that what player. we really want right now, the way he's been? He, he hasn't been giving much cover. I mean, he's you look at two of the, two of the as Sam mentioned, two of the biggest mistakes Juventus have made the last couple of weeks. They've both been Adrian Rabio. I mean, the penalty yesterday, for instance, Sure, like it was a handball, but I mean, he's lucky he wasn't sent off for that. Yeah, I, he's, I, mean, I, I was kind of surprised. Like, like I didn't think about it in in I didn't think about it at the time, but all, but later on, I was thinking to myself, "Geez, why didn't Valeri give him a second yellow for that?" I mean, that was I don't just think so it was so stupid. I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess I just have a different perspective of it here because yeah, I mean, look, it was a handball. Like it was just a justified yellow card or a justified penalty, rather, but. I looked at it again. It like, it like hits his elbow. It doesn't even strike his hand like directly. It really just kind of glances off the el- elbow. Which again, yeah, you know, it's true. Yeah, it was a handball. Yeah, why do you have your arm hanging out when you're that close to the box? I mean, I don't. That's even... the that's you. <laughs> again, from the way I looked at it, like yeah, it was handball. But I mean, I don't think his hand was in, in a glaringly unnatural like way. I mean, it was like out well, of his cylinder, but it wasn't like to the ground. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I don't know. I or parallel to the ground. Perpendicular would be right straight down. No, parallel. Uh, I, I don't math. I don't math yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah. Par- uh, yeah. Par- there was this parallel. His head was practically parallel to the ground when he when he got hit. And also when when it got hit, I'm, he was like stepping forward, so his body was moving forward, and his arms were still kind of behind. He was so, trying to I get mean, to. He was he was trying to get to the to the hole that Kondreva was trying to get into. He was late. Yeah, no, I mean, getting to that hole, which was another, which is an entire other problem. That is exactly the reason that Villarreal managed to uh, to equalize the first leg in the first place is because Rabio. I mean, in that case, Rabio didn't even realize that the, that he was leaving the hole there, and he didn't even try. At least this time, he tried, but he was still. Yeah, late. I mean that goal. I think it was both the Licht and Rabio that met. on the Villarreal goal. I thought it was both. It was the joint. Like someone had to figure it out. Like who was taking that i think it was a joint mistake on that one like yeah rabio's it was directly rabio's man parejo is directly his man but i think it was a joint communication of like okay delicht either like they have to sort it out like who's you know they have to communicate amongst themselves like who's taking who's covering that man because also i remember delicht had moved i think a little too centrally there as well i Doing vaguely off memory here. He did, but if you're going to apportion blame for that goal, I think it's like 80% Rabio, 20% Delic. Uh, I mean, and and I know Delic just just gave an interview where he took a lot of the responsibility of that on his on his own shoulders, which is a heck of a thing to do from a leadership perspective. Which and and Delic really is showing a lot of leadership on this team right now. But it was Rabio. I mean, Rabio covers that hole regardless of where. Delict is, I, I mean, does Prejo even get a shot off at that point? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think we're, <laughs> I think, I, like I said, I pulled a parallel there between Rabio and, and Artur in the sense that I feel like we are just, we being the UV community, I guess, um, are kind of coming down on Rabio in the same way we did on Artur in the sense that, like, I think any mistake that he does make is criticized more heavily than or more disproportionately more than if like anybody else makes a mistake, which again, like, you know, he makes mistakes, but that's an unfortunate byproduct of his contract. (laughs) When you're, when you earn as much as he does, you're going to get, you're expected to perform at a certain level. And Rabio isn't right now. Yeah. I I mean, which game was it? I feel like there's one game recently that he did play very well. But then made one mistake. I forget it was. No, it wasn't the VIL. I, I forget which game it was. was. It I remember there was one game where he did play like really well, but then made like, I don't know, one mistake. And then and then that's the thing people, you know, honed in on that one mistake. And it was like, you know, it was well, like. It was a big eh. mistake. No, I know. I know which one you're talking about. I'm trying to figure out what it is. Yeah. Okay. There's so many, so many games. <laughs> so much football. So many games. Um, but yeah, I don't know. My, I guess my point being like, Fabio again is a. Yeah, I think it was the Eppoli game that you're talking about. Yeah, it might very well have been. Yeah, because it was recent. Yeah, yeah, I think it was the Eppoli game. Yeah. And then he made... I I think it was his... I think he... Yeah, probably. He let one of the goals in. 
he made a mistake that allowed one of the goals to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah, that was probably it. So and then again, you know, it's like okay, people kind of hone in on that mistake, and it's like yes, I mean, sure, he made a mistake, but it's you know, um, he still has good. I I feel like look, Gabio still has good performances. I don't think he's he's got a lot of talent. He just doesn't. He just never puts it all together. I just see Rabio as a game that, or a player that has like you know, eighty percent of, like during a game you play like eighty percent well, and then yeah you have like twenty percent where he just kind of like messes up on like I don't know one or two or three occasions or whatever, but he'll mess up a little bit in a game, but then it sometimes I guess overshadows his good performance for the remainder of the Depends game. Depends on how bad the screw up is. He screws up and you know. He's like if it's something like what happened against Sampdoria where he screws up and Chesney bails him out, it's not as big of a deal. He screws up the way he did against Villarreal, and instead of coming home with a lead, you're coming home one-one. Then yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna pile on him because that was a huge that was a huge mistake that ended up making a that was a the turning point in the game and and perhaps in the tie. Yeah, all things considered, I think we give him very. I don't think we give Rabio very much of a benefit of a doubt, I guess. I mean, I, I still criticize him. I mean, I, you know, still think like, yeah, that was a handball. And like, and he should have probably had a red card against Villarreal for that one foul. But I don't know. It's yeah. With the exception of, of that one stretch that he had at the end of the restart, the, after the, after lockdown, has he really earned the benefit of the doubt? I mean, it depends what you expect. He's never strung together. He's never put together a big string of games where we see the Rabio that is deserving of a 7 million euro a year salary. You know, he will show flashes of brilliance and then it just all comes crashing down. And eventually, if you're going to be a positive force for a team, you have to put those together. You know, you have to, you, you can't be a detriment as much as you are a positive. And he hasn't, you know, he hasn't scored all year. He's barely come up with it with assists all year it's yeah but what do we expect of him i mean i i personally don't really expect goals or assists from ravi i to me ravi has always been like a, a basically a matuidi plays matuidi really he, you know he's providing, a different player than matuidi though i mean i think they perform the same role just in terms of providing that yeah just that more defensive cover and well in, if you're in one of the highest paid players on the team and hello guys i know i've been sitting out for a little while uh, <laughs> sorry when you no, when you expect him to you would expect him to be performing at a higher level than he has for much of his juventus career i mean it's the same thing with ramsey although ramsey was to an extreme they were paid basically the same amount of money you'd expect higher production high and more consistent production than what rabio and yeah, like I said, Ramsey is the extreme, but since it's, this case is Rabio, what he's given, I mean, like like Sam said, ever since that extended run post-lockdown where it's like, oh my God, Adrian Rabio might have actually finally arrived at Juventus, it's like, what consistently has he done other than frustrate us? I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's been inconsistent, of course. And, and you know, the salary thing, I've, I've really been thinking about this, just like how obviously important salary is and and just towards the club's finances and all that. but. Okay, so we got Arabi on a free transfer, but then he has a 7 million, I think roughly 7 million euro net, I believe. Net. Yeah. Uh, yeah, nets, uh, annual salary. So he's been with the club for, uh, I don't I want to say three years now. Yes, three this years. This is the third season, yeah. Yes, yeah, so this is the third season. So, okay, so he had a free transfer, so zero euros there, but then he's now in his third year. So then three times seven, 21 million euros. So, I try to think of like the, the total cost rather than just the salary. So, you know, we've had zero transfer fee, but then 7 million euros a year times three, 21 million euros. So like, yes, I mean, the salary is high, but at the end of the day, we've paid 21 million euros for, I think, an, okay, an inconsistent, but overall, I think solid midfielder. I mean, I don't know, this market in this economy um yeah what are you going to get for 20 million million euros i guess uh, yeah that's how i'm kind of looking at it like instead of just the, the high salary figure i'm trying to look at okay what have we paid in total for him over the we course also don't of his know what state the commissions were for his mom for his mom gent yeah yeah um, <laughs> but then also like for instance you know i think of someone like okay it's not apples to apples but 
you know, entertain me. Um, someone like Moise Akin, who obviously doesn't have a 7 million, I don't know what his salary is, but, you know, we paid like 40 million euros for him and then whatever his salary is. Okay, he's still 22. He's still got a lot of long way to go, of course. And, you know, he's put put in a good performance against Sampdoria and that was good. But overall, so far, since he's rejoined Juve, I think he's really not been particularly justified as 40 million euros, which, you know, again, he's young. He's still got a way to go, but, He's also um, not playing nearly as much as Rabio, though. Yeah, yeah, but you know, but I said this. I remember last season where, when Morata and you know Morata as well, you know, very streaky, but um, now in a good run of form. But I remember saying last season, like, you know, given that Morata is so streaky, and this was before Blaovic uh, joined, of course. Um, but given how streaky he is, I thought, you know, okay, Moise Keane, like, this is your opportunity, like, to stake the number nine or stake the center forward position because Morata, you know, he goes in and out. And like, I remember at that time he was again on this kind of dry run. So yeah, I just, I mean, I, I've been disappointed with him and we in total, we've paid so far. I mean, double the amount that we've paid for Rabio net. So, you know, I, I guess I'm not too hung up on this 7 million euro salary, given that, we didn't pay a transfer fee for it. And again, I'm just thinking of the total cost of him is like, okay, 21 million euros for like, I mean, a midfielder who does, to me, again, I don't expect him to, it's like, and that's, that's because I see him as a Matuidi replacement, just providing that kind of backup, I guess, and that solidity to allow the likes of Locatelli and Artur to kind of, you know, do the more that's uh, glamorous not his things. game, though. He's not a destroyer. Like, that's not what he does. Yeah. He, he, what he, you know, he's bet he's at his best when he takes the ball and he carries it through the midfield and either finds a guy to pass it to or just cracks it at the goal himself. Like, you know, you're that, that insane goal that he scored against Milan after the restart. Like, that's his game. His game is not like the way Matuidi was, where, you know, he has an engine that'll last you for for all of time and he'll go in and beat the crap out of the guy with the ball. That's not Rabio's game. That's the guy they've just signed. Yeah. That's Zakaria's uh, game. Uh-huh. Although then ironically, then Sicario, who, well, okay. It's been like three games. So we can, obviously it's a very small sample size, but Allegri played him in a, I guess in a Rabio role where he was kind of was right of center and kind of box the box, I guess, which yeah, I mean, nobody knows if that's going to be a permanent thing or if, or if that was just a one-time experiment of uh, of Allegri's, or if he's still figuring out where to play him, what his best position is, or what his best position is for the team. So who knows there? Yeah, I don't know. Gavi is, uh, huh. yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll be watching him more uh, more closely, I guess, just in coming games, just kind of figure out what the who he is. I'll leave us, we'll transition to one Twitter question to wrap things up right after I drop this number. Adrian Rabio in his three years at Juventus, his first year, obviously, that came with a lot of struggles and then close strong. He had 0.07 goals plus assists per 90. Last season, it was up to three times that at 0.22 goals and assists per 90. This year, it's basically back down to what he did in his first season with Juventus. And now that's not the be end-all be-all in terms of counting stats for Rabio, but he has yet to score a goal this season. He's only got two assists in all competitions. and. I don't know. It it seems like, you know, I know he's been played out of position for a good portion of this time as kind of that quasi left midfielder, but he just leaves you wanting so much more from him because, you know, you get the sense that there's just so much more potential there and he just hasn't tapped into it or just taps into it on an inconsistent basis. And now it's just like, okay, he's 26 years old. Is this what he is at this point? And I don't know. It's, it's hard to say because you know there's more there. It just it doesn't show itself. And is that indeed, as you said, is that a function of him playing out of position? Yeah, no, I mean, even these last, even these last, like these last two three games, he's been playing more as a central midfielder than he has as a wide midfielder, and he's still making boneheaded mistakes. It, it's and and that's the and that's the other thing is that the the just the you know, so many of his mistakes are are things that if you if you stop and think for a second, they wouldn't happen. But he just, you know, he 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 clicks off at the worst possible times. 
and the team ends up paying the price for it. All right, here. One Twitter question we got here for today from a friend of the pod at Arthur Schmidt the fourth. Out of all the players that are questionable for Wednesday's game against Villarreal, who is the least critical to Juventus's play? Question. I mean, at that's this point, a, who is questionable? That, that's that's a topsy turvy little question. <laughs> um, and thus why we asked yeah that's really interesting i mean i guess i'm nitpicking on the, the detail of like on his questionable in terms of injury well i i mentioned it before dibala might be available now, this is okay. based going off of what max allegri said i okay. said over the last few days dibala is potentially for the bench if i can get my words right same with bonucci and i believe chiellini is either about to return to training or just back in training today okay yeah okay that helps so yeah so I mean, I, i'm I'll, guessing those those three because we ha- we haven't really got much of a zakaria update and you look yeah, at the other guys obviously case is out for the season mckenny's out for the season and kyle george else for season. i guess for the purpose of the question we can say just dibala Giolini, bonucci i think that would be yeah let's go with that fair i think that'll probably be, <laughs> yeah i mean i think that's the most realistic yeah even if zakaria is yeah yeah i highly doubt he would have he would play i mean i'm counting him out basically i just so yeah i guess dibala Giolini, bonucci um yeah i mean it has to be dibala of course least given the important no, oh, he's at least. Oh, I thought it was most least important. Oh, it was least. Oh, oh, okay. In that case, uh, based yeah, on- that's why I said it was such a topsy turvy question. Uh, yeah, Bonucci probably just based on just based on form, he's not been fantastic this season. And of course, we have Rugani and the lift in excellent form. So, yeah, I'd say, yeah, I'd say Bonucci. Yeah, I think I kind of have to agree with that. You know, Chiellini. Like you said earlier, earlier this hour, Danny, Chiellini is still Chiellini when he can get on the field. Bonucci, you know, he can be up or down. And the way that Delict and Rugani are playing and playing off each other, that's another, and the other part of that is that, and I think I saw this in a, a somebody mentioned this in the comment section at some point this week, is that Bonucci and Delict have never had the greatest chemistry with each other. Like they can work, but it's, it has, you know, it's certainly not developing the way that Chiellini and Bonucci ever did. And, and it doesn't kind of look like it's working the way Delict and Rugani are now. The two of them just have never seemed to mesh. So yeah, I would say out of those three, I would also say Bonucci just because I think that he, if were he available, I don't think it would change all that much. It might actually even potentially change things for the worst agreed yeah agreed <laughs> like i said I, I i agree with that and also just based on form this year uh or in the little amount he has played yeah i don't think Benucci has looked really excellent but then again i think there were some reports about him playing through injury for some games so yeah some sympathy there During on the that Apple one. game he certainly was yeah 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 uh, actually, this is uh, this is a little unorthodox, but can I throw in a sort of Twitter-ish question? Not an official Twitter question, but uh, one from, from my Twitter Twitterless chucks. <laughs> Twitterless chucks. Oh man, that is good. <laughs> you came up with that on the spot, didn't you? When you finally co- when you finally <laughs> join the machine, that has to be your handle, chucks. No, so um, I had a discussion with a Milan friend of mine, and you know he was he just keeps saying like, okay, Milan or Juve, we have all this talent, and okay, even with injuries. You know, we still have all this talent and all this attacking talent at, at our disposal. And yet we play this, in his words, this archaic football of like, okay, we're going to sit back and like, you know, as we described, we sit back and we just soak up the pressure and then just occasionally try and kind of, you know, score here and there, but not proactive football, not, you know, the samba and champagne football. And, you know, his argument Chubby was ball. just, um, his argument was just like, to me, he said this, uh, aren't you mad that like, you know, you guys have all this talent and you pay all this, you pay Allegri, I don't know, 9 million net a year. You have all this, the biggest wage, um, wage bill in, in the, in the league. And yet you, you guys choose to play so not proactive and just, just stale style football. Um, and to which, you know, I said, I mean, it's so far, it's kind of working. I mean, the results are we're on course for our goal, top four, and even making a very unlikely title run. But, you know, I guess my question or his question is kind of is and slightly related to the Rabio discussion of like, okay, if you have all this money and have all this talent at your disposal, 
should we expect more? More just in the sense of style of play and and yeah, more in style of play than results necessarily. So um, yeah, what 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 say the people? It's certainly frustrating. It would be a lot more frustrating if you know Federico Chiesa were healthy right now, you know, and and we had that much more punch to the attack, and or if Dybala were able to string more than a couple of games together at a time, you know, the the way that we that we play right now, there is an element of necessity to it just because of of the way that things have you know you you don't have a lot of your best guys on the on the field and especially when it comes to the attack that that has an effect but at the same time i do think that there is enough that on the field at any given point when the team is healthy that max could be pushing harder obviously you know we're, you know we're not looking for like you know clop football but the british guy that they had commenting on the Sampdoria game as the teams were coming out of the tunnel the other day. It wasn't Jamie Carragher, was it? <laughs> it wasn't your buddy Jamie Carragher. No, Sorry, it was Chuck. not Jamie Carragher. It was one of those, it was one of those like half dozen stock Serie world feed announcers. <laughs> and uh, as they were coming out of the tunnel, he said something like, not chilled champagne, more like tepid spumani or something. <laughs> spumanti. That's how they get. And I was like, well. Could, could we go with a nice Prosecco in the middle and call it a day, like, or a spritz or something? Like, I feel like Allegri can take more risks with this attack than he does right now. But given that, you, you know, like I said, you know, Dybala is out so much, he is out for the year. I, I understand it on some level, but I do think it's being taken to an extreme. Yeah, I I'm kind of in that same line. I, mean, I think it's definitely a case of you wish almost to, I guess, bring it a little bit full circle to what we were talking about a few minutes ago with Adrian Rabio. You know, there's more there. You just wish that you saw that more often. And obviously when you've got the likes of Vlaovic, Chiesa when he's healthy, Dybala if he's still around next season, Quadrado, Keen, Murata if he's still around next season, you would expect more than just one nothing and hunker down for the rest of the game. But, you know, it, it's also, especially lately, Max Allegri definitely reading the room and be like, okay, you know, we, we can't necessarily play gung-ho with 14, 15 guys available for an extended period of time. So I think when there are more options available, it would be nice to see Max Allegri open things up. But you look at it too, and it's just, you know, sometimes it's really tough to have this old dog try some new things. And this old dog is very set in his ways. So I don't know if he's, I don't know if it's going to change next season. Like I said, I would like, like it to, but I don't know if, if we're still grinding out results in October of 2022, then Hey, Max is going to still be Max. And you know what? We might just kind of have to adjust our expectations of Juventus playing some quote unquote modern football because you know they're not they're not gonna they're not gonna play the the Vincenzo Italiano kind of football while Max Allegri's around probably. We've seen him do it like you know the when when the when the four two three one first came out like we've we saw him do that. Well, I mean that's the thing he's you're, capable you're, of it. He's capable of it, but we're also it's also a case of right now at least is that he's not gonna do it or we don't think he's gonna do it until he actually does it if he ever does it. So I don't know. Yeah. It it's really just it's. It's tough to think that Allegri will open things up again because he's been playing like this virtually from the start of his second stint up until now. Yeah, I mean, and, and to kind of put a bow on it, I know we're coming up on an hour now. So one thing I've noticed the last few years in football in general, just the kind of football community, is that there is this type of like moral like smugness of like, Oh, we play a certain style of football that's better than, you know, like this obsession with like the Manchester City, uh, uh, the Guardiola style of play, the, even the Jurgen Klopp, you know, style of play of like, you know, this is football, period, you know. And it it, it kind of irritates me. It Like I said, I think there's kind of a moral smugness, like of, oh, if you play a defensive style of football, you're lesser than. But, and I think what my friend Fabio is his name, what Fabio was alluding to was, Almost that there's this like assumption slash correlation of like, okay, the more money that a club has, 
the more like attractive, more entertaining it should be. And I'm just like, I don't know. I mean, it just should win. <laughs> you know, it should win. Um, so yeah, just to put a ball on that. But uh, yeah, food for thought. As always. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll take that food for thought into next week's episode. Thank you, Arthur, for your Twitter question, and Fabio as well for his Twitter question through Chucks. Oh, man. We always appreciate them, uh, especially from Fabio. So don't be <laughs> Chucks. Let Fabio know to not be a stranger. Yeah, he has very strong words about yeah. you. They said, yeah. <laughs> very, really, very from strong. a Milan fan. Wow. Yeah, yeah he's he's something. He's something. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, we will wrap things up for this week's episode. Thank you. For the Twitter questions again, if you guys want to send them to us, please feel free to do so at Juventus Nation on Twitter. You can follow us there as well as on Facebook at Black and White and Red All Over. Search Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts for our link. If you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please rate us and leave us a review. I'm going to stop talking now because I can't seem to get a coherent sentence out. So for Sam, for Chucks, and for Sergio, this is Danny saying thank you much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week.